0: Welcome to I'm Game with Fred Kroner. Today, I am joined by Mark Caboodi, who was the longtime principal at Sangamon Elementary School. I believe 22 years there. Uh, retired in, uh, in 2017. So, Mark, welcome. Thank you, Fred. Well, tell me, what uh, when you retired, what did you expect retirement to be like? And then uh, what is the reality of what retirement has been like?
1: Good question. You know, um, being a principal, it's a very... Um, High energy job um, can be stressful. And I thought when I first retired, I thought the only thing I really wanted to do for a while was to uh, sip coffee and watch the Today Show. And that didn't last very long because I I missed being around people. I missed the energy level. You know, you don't just do something for, you know, I was a principal for 25 total years, uh, 22 in Muhammad. And then I was at Yankee Ridge in Urbana. But when you're on that pace for that many years, it was really difficult for me just to put on the brakes and halt all of that. And I couldn't, uh, my body and my mind said, you know, Mark, you've got to be stimulated in some different ways. And that's when I started, you know, knowing that I needed to add more to my life. Um, and you know, Fred, and we'll talk more about this later in the podcast, but my retirement came at a really good time with my parents. Um, my dad is 96 years old, and my mom is 91 years old, and they lived in Champaign um, at the time when I retired, and they, they were needing more and more help to stay in their home, and so uh, we were able for them to stay in their homes uh, for about three extra years, and now they live out here at Bridlebrook in Muhammad, uh, which has been a really good experience for both of them, um, but um, so anyway... That all coincided about the same time that when I retired my parents needed me more and I was glad that I was available to be with them.
0: Well you, you mentioned your dad who of course was was Lee Kabuti and I, I wanted to bring up something here I, I believe my math is right on this I'm not positive but I think at the point you retired a Kabuti had been involved with teaching children in some form or another either you know as a teacher or administrator uh, for 61 consecutive years in Champaign County. That, uh, that's quite a legacy, isn't
1: it? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, he did it for quite a while. And then I followed in his footsteps. And, you know, he still, I just had lunch with him today. And it's amazing, Fred, how sharp he is mentally. He, he remembered a game from 1958 that he was talking about today at lunch uh, with a team out of Georgetown. It was amazing.
0: And i tell you what, uh, you know, maybe it's something about former Champaign Central teachers because Tommy Stewart, the longtime football coach, was that way too. He he could not only remember games and scores, he could remember details. And and there was a time that I just couldn't believe his memory was that good. So I remember once after work, he had told me some stuff. I went back to microfilm, and I looked up the particular game, and by golly, everything he told me was just right on target. It was was unbelievable.
1: I know. Yeah, my dad dad has told me that Tommy – had a tremendous memory.
0: Well, so you, you talk about then that your your transition away and you know not being around people, but but you know even more than that, uh, not being around the kids. How how tough was that part of the transition? I mean, obviously, you could get jobs yeah. and things where you're around people, but you just weren't around the you know the elementary school kids. That I,
1: right, that that part was very very difficult. I would assume but, kind of helped keep you young for years. It really did. You know, you my know, wife always said, yeah, my wife would always say, you're you're a kid leading kids. And uh, that was always a fun part of my job is to, to get on their level and, and be with them. Um, one of the things I started doing was my wife is a first grade teacher at Carrie Busey in Champaign. So she started inviting me into her classroom uh, to help out. And I enjoyed that. And then she got me involved with the CU one-to-one mentoring program. And so I started mentoring a student there in uh, fourth grade, and I'm still mentoring him today. He's in eighth grade at Edison Middle School. So I get to see some of my old friends uh, uh, from Carrie Busey that I knew when they were in grade school when I was mentoring him there. So I did get back involved with children uh, in, in that respect because I really did miss the kids. And. And something else, Fred, you know, I was at Sangamon for 22 years. And when you're at one school that long, uh, most of the staff that were there when I retired were people who um, I had worked with quite a while and many I had hired. And and over the years, I had great teachers and I really missed the relationships I had with them, too. And so I was lonely. I was lost for a while, to be honest with you. I really was.
0: So, you know, one of the, the interesting things for me is, you know, I, I don't think there's a, a guidebook, per se, of you know, how to be an effective uh, elementary school principal. Uh, it's kind of learning on the job, but but you certainly did some things to connect with the kids. I think about the, the recesses that you spent outside playing football, you know, talk about some of the things that you did to kind of, you know, be involved with the students life rather than just being a, an administrator
1: in an office. Well, okay, thank you. Um, I, one of the things that people told me when you because I was a teacher um, for um, 10 years before I became a principal and people told me, don't lose sight of the children when you become an administrator, because the administration can can eat you alive. You know, the, the administrative part of the job can distance you from the children. And so, Fred, I made a commitment when I got my first principalship and I continued it in Mohammed. I'm an early riser, and I would get up at four o'clock in the morning and try to get a lot of my administrative work done, whether that was, you know, observation notes from a teacher evaluation the day before, or sending out notes to teachers. I remember there was a teacher who lives in my neighborhood. I would send her her evaluation forms back at like four thirty in the morning, and she's like, "Is there something wrong with your?" timer on your computer and I said no I'm just up but (laughs) by by getting a lot of that work done at home it allowed me when I hit the office that I didn't have to be in my office as much I could be out with the kids so that was the first thing is to prioritize my time you know and then another thing I did Fred was this I felt it very important uh, to be in the lunchroom and on the playground every day that I possibly could. And our lunch periods were 45 minutes long and we had two lunch periods. So that was 90 minutes during my school day that I was down with the kids, interacting with the kids. And and a lot of people understood that, but some didn't. And, you know, I tried to tell them that the 90 minutes I spent with the children in the lunchroom and the, and the, you know, playground, I'm building relationships with those kids and they're not going to be maybe as much trouble where I'm gonna be spending time on the back end with discipline and referrals and that sort of thing. I tried to spend that time on the front end and and I thought it was very effective. And plus I enjoyed knowing uh, all the kids. One of the things I did too, Fred, was the first day of school, I would go around to each teacher and say, you know, bring your class outside. I would have a bench set up and some chairs and they would sit their students down in those chairs and benches. And then I would take a picture of all the classes. And then I would get those blown up to eight and a half by 11s. And then I would put a little number on each child's, I would just draw a little number on each, right above each child. And I'd give it back to the teacher and I'd say, would you let me know number, put the names down by all the children's numbers. And then I would keep those in a folder on my desk. And so if somebody came in from Mrs. Kirby's class, I'd get out that picture and I would spot that child and I, well, hello, Cassandra, how are you today? And they'd be like, whoa, he knows my name. Well, that's very powerful when you know kids' names, especially the troublemakers. When they, they're like, oh, no, Mr. Kabuti knows my name already. Um, they, they knew then that they better toe the line a little bit more than just being somebody who was an anonymous person in the school. So I tried to know all their names, tried to spend time with them. And then I tried to get into the classrooms as much as I could, too, you know, and to see them in their learning environments. And when you're not in the office, that work, you know, those phone calls still come in, those emails come in. And so you've got to try to tackle those either when you get back after school or the next morning. And, you know, and I was in my office, you know, part of the day, but but not the majority when I could help it.
0: Yeah, I can I can certainly relate to that. So like we mentioned earlier, your, your dad was a longtime teacher and coach at Champaign Central. As you were growing up, how big of an influence was his career in terms of you choosing your career path?
1: Well, not, not a lot, Fred. Um, he, you know, he was always at the high school level. Um, I coached for a while um, when I was teaching elementary school, but I knew I loved the elementary level. There's just something about those, that age of those children that I just love. They're very moldable um they you know they're they're a sponge they they want to learn most of them want to please so his experience at the high school level I never really aspired to do that I think one of the things that this is uh, I haven't told a lot of people this but I used to work up at a summer camp with my dad it was the Interlochen Center for the Arts and uh, there'd be about 2,000 campers up there from all over the world and I loved working up there. I was a camp counselor and then I was my dad's assistant director in the high school boys division. But I knew if I wanted to continue to go back up there, I would have to have a job where I would have some time, you know, over the summer because it was an eight week camp. And that kind of steered me towards education as well. I thought, you know, I can do something where I enjoy kids, but then I can still have, you know, two months to work uh, with my dad up at Interlock. And then that, those were wonderful experiences. So, no, his career had a little bit of impact, but I never really aspired. I coached for a while and I enjoyed it, but I didn't want to be a head basketball coach. That, that never really was my goal.
0: So, so talk about the, the coaching aspect there. I mean, obviously, you know, not everybody aspires to be a head coach, but what made you decide to kind of leave the, the coaching profession entirely and focus more on uh, the teaching and, and administration?
1: Well, so when I coached at Champaign Central, I was the freshman coach and and then the sophomore coach. And my first few years there, Fred, we had some incredible talent and we didn't lose very many games. And I told my dad, I said, this is easy, dad, you know, and he's like, yeah, just wait. And then then the talent, you know, maybe wasn't quite as good. And and uh, then I learned the hard way that, uh You know, it's not always as good as it seemed like it was the first few years. I just decided, Fred, when I went back to get my master's degree, um, that took me a lot of time. And I was still single. So I wasn't married with children, which was great. But I just decided that when I started working on my master's degree, I knew I didn't want to be a head coach. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to prioritize my time on my education and and you know trying to get as many good teaching experiences as I could, uh, so I could become a, a, a better elementary school principal.
0: So having spent so many years at uh, at Sanglin Elementary, I'm sure there's still a lot of kids in school now, whether it's junior high or high school that, that went through the school there. Do you find yourself kind of following those kids in terms of you know whether it's sports or uh, the the band or the arts or, or whatever, just kind of following their careers and and saying hey, I remember back you know when they were. Uh, you know, a third grader.
1: Right. Well, okay. So the current quarterback, the current quarterback of the Muhammad Seymour football team, uh, Wyatt Baum, I remembered when he moved to Sangamon, they were new students. He was a new student to the community. And I remembered, I just remembered his competitive spirit when we played touch football at recess. I remember the Kenny boys. Uh, I remember Blake Walters. I mean, lots of names of kids. I remember a lot of kids um, that, in fact, we had some parents who would call me in the morning and they would come from work to play football at recess. They would call me to make sure that I was going to be out on the playground for lunch recess because they were going to come and play. And, and I remember uh, the Kenny boys, uh, their mom would come to play. And it was so cool to, to have these little first graders see somebody's mom come out there and throw the football. Um, Blake Walter's mom would come out quite a bit and play. And I mean, when these parents would call, uh, they would come to win. I mean, they, it was very, we had a lot of fun, but it was, they were coming to beat Mr. C and, uh, and then brag about, it. you know. Um, did, that ha- did that happen very often? Oh, uh, not a lot. Cause I knew the kids who could catch and <laughs> a, lot, a lot of times they didn't, but uh, there's a guy, uh, Tim, uh, Tim Sinclair, he's on CI living and He's the sure. PA announcer. Well, Tim has the record. Uh, he lit—he lit me up for 56 points in a 20-minute 20, 20 recess period once, uh, as quarterback, and he beat me like 56-49. And he still—he and I still talk about that when we see each other.
0: <laughs> well, he's doing some great things now too. I mean, all his PA gigs. My gosh. It's yes. we cool to see what he's doing. <laughs>
1: You know what was fun for me, though, I always enjoyed when parents came to lunch because uh, we ran a very organized lunchroom and uh, I was always proud to show the parents, you know, just how well behaved the kids are because sometimes you hear, you know, kids today aren't like they used to be and I always enjoyed when parents would come in um, to just kind of showcase our students.
0: Have you been back to to the building to Sangamon Elementary uh, much since it's uh, no longer a schoolhouse and and now uh, a a series of shops?
1: You know, uh, Darwin Darwin Boston has been very kind. Uh, He's a state farm agent there in that building. He's reached out to me on a couple of occasions to come in and look around. And uh, it's just amazing what they've done to that school. And I'm glad they were able to repurpose it. Um, instead of it sitting there vacant or, you know, whatever might have happened to it. But I, I'm, I'm amazed. And, you know, I, I say this jokingly, but uh, probably the biggest change are the bathrooms. Um, they don't smell anymore, like little boys that uh, don't, <laughs> don't always use the bathroom appropriately.
0: <laughs> I bet. Well, so since you, you've been retired, that's opened up other opportunities, volunteering and, and so on. And I know one of the places you've been involved with has been the the Daily Bread Soup Kitchen in in Champaign there. Talk a little bit about how you got involved with them and, and why did you pick that particular organization?
1: Okay. When I retired, it was very important to me, Fred, that I felt in my role as a principal, I always got to give back to kids, to parents, to teachers. And it was important that I give back. And I looked at different organizations and I thought, you know, what's more basic than providing food for people and i thought that's just a basic need that i wanted to get involved in so i i got online went to their website and fred it was quite interesting i had to go on a waiting list um, before they called me to come in and try it out and they they kind of let you try it for a couple of weeks to see if it's something you like but but i enjoy interacting with our clientele there i mean People have no idea the amount of people in Champaign-Urbana that have a food need. And, you know, we get to provide that need. I've made friends with some of my, some of our clients. I've seen some of my old students. I used to teach at Edison Middle School in Champaign. And I've seen some of my old students in line. um, And we've reconnected. Uh, It's a very well-run organization. I love the people there. Um, it's just, a, it's, and they take no federal funding, no federal or state funding. And so we're able to, you know, kind of run it the way we see fit and the community is very generous with donations. And I also get to make the food run to the Eastern Illinois food bank. And so I get to see that perspective as well, of how many companies donate to the food bank that, that end up going back to some of our people who are, you know, food insecure. It's, it's a, it's a really good organization.
0: So how did the pandemic affect the, the number of workers, the number of volunteers? Did that uh, did, did you guys lose some people during that time or have you been able to, to maintain the staffing that you need?
1: We did, Fred. We lost some of our some of our older clients, some of our older uh, volunteers. They just weren't comfortable coming in. And it, it's been a blessing in a way because we're still not allowing our guests inside the facility. They have to pick up their lunch at the door and then take it with them. Uh, we may open up the dining room sometime, but I just don't know when. But because of that, we don't need as many workers inside the facility. You know, we don't need people to scrape plates. We don't need people to to bus tables. You know, we don't need people to do drinks. So it kind of worked out pretty well that we lost some staff, but we also need fewer staff right now.
0: You, you volunteer there what, a couple days a week?
1: Well, they only really want you to volunteer one day a week, Fred. Uh, they kind of want to keep you fresh and not burned out. And they have enough volunteers where you only work. I work on Thursdays and uh, actually have uh, three, three or four people from Muhammad who work out there with me now. And uh, so um, it's kind of nice to reconnect with some of those folks. And um, so, yeah, just one day a week.
0: So then in some of your other spare time, uh, you can be found over at FitTech. Talk a little bit about uh, what all you do over at FitTech.
1: Yeah. So my wife, uh, my wife has worked out at FitTech for many years and uh, they had a need for an early morning person, uh, somebody that's willing to come in at 5.50 in the morning and work until 11 in the morning. And my wife came home and said, Hey, Mark, what do you think about FitTech? And I said, well, if it doesn't conflict with my daily bread soup volunteering, and my mentoring with CU one to one, and I really didn't want it to affect the time I spend with my parents, the early morning worked out perfect for me. And so I'm a gym supervisor there, which basically means I'm just kind of making sure people are using the equipment properly. Um, at this time, I'm still making sure they wear a mask. Um, I'm helping them if they need any assistance. I've done a little bit of personal training, but I'm not, a, I'm not trained in that. So I'll fill in sometimes if somebody needs me to pinch hit for them. Um, but um, it's a great place to work. It's uh, the staff's fun. The clientele's great. Um, I kind of have worked at FitTech like I have at school. Um, I Everybody I meet there, I write their name down and I write a little description about what they look like. And so when they come in the door, you know, I'm able to call them, hey, Charlie, how you doing today? Or, you know. You know, hey, Annika, good to see you today. Um, it's it's important that I know their names. And I guess that's just something that I'm a big believer in. So I love it there. It's a, it's a good gig. Uh, getting up at five, being there at 550 has not been a problem for me.
0: I imagine does that even allow you to sleep in a little bit extra than the, when you were getting up back at, at four o'clock in the, in the old school days?
1: You know, uh, Fred, my body is, my body clock still gets up 3.30 or four o'clock. Um, I, I just can't. I can't change that I, I don't know if I ever will so yeah I got up this, I got up this morning about 3 30 and so by the time 550 rolls around I've been up for a while
0: I guess well how, how difficult though is it to, to recognize people with the face masks and everything because I know uh we have people come into the the pie shop people that I know but with the face mask sometimes it takes me two or three minutes to to realize just exactly who they are
1: yeah that that's very true for me um the good thing is I got to know a lot of our clientele before the pandemic, and then we had a time where we weren't wearing masks so I got to know some more people. And so, um, yeah, it's just the new people that maybe I don't know and I'll, I'll figure them out by their eyes usually and uh, but I don't know everyone's name but I sure try.
0: I bet. Well, you know, we talked earlier about your, your dad and, and the legacy between you and he with uh, with uh, the years of, of teaching and education in Champaign County. Another thing I find remarkable is, I believe, unless he has missed one recently, he has never missed a uh, banquet for the Illinois Basketball Coaches Association when they induct the Hall of Famers. And I think that started in 1962. So um, that he's closing in on, on 60 years of, of going to those banquets. That's uh, pretty
1: remarkable, too, isn't it? Well. Yeah, you're 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 close. I think it was seventy two. Well, um, oh, seventy two. Okay. Yeah, he's had forty nine consecutive years that he's attended that banquet, and uh, this year we were a little bit concerned because uh, he was living at Bridlebrook at the time, and uh, at the particular week that he was scheduled to go, uh, he had been quarantined to his room, um, and at first we were very concerned that he wasn't going to be able to go, but the staff there and the administration was great. They let me pick him up that afternoon, took him back that night. They said, as long as you don't keep him out overnight. And I said, no, I don't think my dad wants to stay out all, all night at 96 years old. So yeah, he, he went and you know, Fred, it's been great. He sits at the table. They put him right up front and he sits with some guys. Uh, he sits with Rob Judson's dad, um, he used to sit with Rich Heron, uh, Rich passed away this past Christmas. Uh, Mary Henson was there this year. So they got to reconnect. Uh, Jim Shepard was there, they got to reconnect. And so he loves going to that banquet just so he can reconnect with some of his, his friends that he's known for a long time.
0: And that's just a, an amazing, uh, tenure to be able to, to, you know, do it consecutive like that for, for so many years. That's just,
1: uh, that's just thank amazing. you. He was. He was. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Before I let you go today, anything else uh, you would like to add? I sure have enjoyed talking to you.
1: Well, Fred, I've always enjoyed working with you, and you were very kind to my dad when he was coaching, and you were kind to me when I was a principal. And I'll tell you, I I spent 22 years in Muhammad, and they truly were the best years of my life. And uh, I've got a lot of great memories, and I just I, I feel blessed that I got to work at a school in a school district and and in a community that was so supportive of education and it really pushed me to a higher level of excellence because I knew a lot of people I worked with or who were sending their children there that's what they expected and uh, it was just a, a good environment to be part of so thanks for all your support over the years too.
0: Well, certainly. And, and, you know, that tradition of ex- excellence has continued even after you've been gone. There, there's still, uh, you know, a lot of people are moving to Mohammed just exactly because of the of the schools and, and the education the kids will get here. So it's uh, right. It's continuing. Right. All right. So, We're talking with Mark Kabuthi today, who was the uh, principal at Sangman Elementary School in Mohammed for 22 years. Uh, Mark, again, thanks for your time and we will be in touch.
1: OK, Fred, thank you.